Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71 features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. I, a 19-year-old female, have had this friend, 19-year-old male, who I've known for many years, but was never really close to. Recently, coming back from uni for summer, I went back home and stayed with my parents. There really isn't much to do in my hometown, except for hang out with friends and smoke and drink, so that's exactly what I did. While hanging out with my friends, I ran into the guy... His name is Saf, and Saf has always seemed like a a chill guy. Typical 19-year-old guy who studies business, living off of daddy's money since he comes from a wealthy family. And as soon as we reconnected, we developed a closer friendship. We started hosting at his house, and my friends and I would go. When we smoked, he frequently brought up his fantasies of killing and eating someone. Of course, all of us being high would just laugh it off and considered it to be shock humor. However, he would never laugh while making these jokes and we, my friends, had agreed that he was pretty creepy but we chalked it up to him just being too high. That is, until I started hanging out with him alone. We have a pretty small friend group that hangs out nearly every day Saf and I stay out pretty late after everyone's left, usually until the sun comes up, which is how we got so close because it would just be us at the end of the night and he would drive me home. On one of those nights though, we were with a group of friends and we decided that we would take some edibles. For context, we were at Saf's house. Three hours into it, when all of us are pretty gone, Saf starts going on a tangent about how it would feel to pluck someone's eyeballs out. He starts going into detail and 
My other friend asked him to stop talking because it was making him uncomfortable. He always did this, but this time he really went into detail, explaining imagery, etc. Someone quickly changed the subject and the night went on. About an hour later, my friend and I decided to look at the fridge for the munchies. As we look in the fridge for stuff to eat, I feel someone put their arm around my neck and I feel something quite heavy putting pressure on it. And as I look down, I realize Saf is holding a knife to my neck and holding my other friend with his other free hand. What are you guys doing? He asks. Keep in mind, we are all very high at this point. So I start laughing it off and going along with what I thought was a joke. As my friend and I answer him, I realize that he hasn't pulled the knife off of my neck yet and that he was in fact holding it closer to the point where I started to cough. Thankfully, the knife was very dull, but it was still a massive kitchen knife. As soon as I realize that he isn't letting go, I let out a scream, nothing too loud or alarming. I was hoping that he would also assume that I was joking. He then lets go and he walks away. The night goes on and we quickly forget about what happened. Saf offers to drive my friend and I home at the end of the night when everybody's left. My friend and I didn't have a car or money, so we accepted. On the drive home, we stopped at a red light. He had made my friend get out and check if the car was damaged because he had seen someone bump into it while driving. Neither my friend and I saw this, but my friend got out of the car anyway and checks. As he tries to open the back door to get in the car again, Saf locks it. The light has now turned green and thank God it was only 5am because... There was only two or three other cars around, but they all started beeping and swerving as to not hit the car or my friend. As my friend and I are yelling for him to open the door, he drives a couple of inches forward, putting the tire on my friend's foot. He then unlocks the door and watches my friend yell at him for being trapped under the tire. I look over to Saf and I see him hysterically laughing and putting the car into reverse for my friend to get in. Once we get back into the road, he starts driving like crazy, which isn't unusual I guess for him, but he was a lot more reckless that night. Now, before you all judge me for staying friends with such a weird and dangerous man, keep in mind that it had never been this bad before. He just said really weird stuff every now and then, but I honestly thought that it was an intrusive thoughts thing. I struggle with mental health and have the most vile and weird intrusive thoughts myself. So I thought that that was it. And as for the night, I've mentioned, we were all really high on edibles, so... So although I was very weirded out, I thought that he must have just been super high. And so was I, so I convinced myself that I was just overreacting. Then one night, we go to a party together, and we then got back into the car for another party that we were going to, but on the way we realized that it had been cancelled... Saf then asked if I wanted to go back to his house, eat something, watch a movie and smoke. It was really early in the night, so I agreed knowing that I wouldn't be asleep for a while. We pull up, he tells me to make myself comfortable, and he's going to cook us some pasta. So I sit down, turn on a movie and wait. He comes back into the movie, I start feeling very ill. I mention this to Saf, and he says that it's probably just because I drank but I only drank very little at the party, which was around three hours ago at this point, and haven't thrown up or felt nauseous from alcohol in years. 
As time goes on, I keep feeling worse and practically beg him to take me home. He refuses because he is in his house, however. This is the first time that he's ever declined to take me home, mind you. And at this point, I get a really bad feeling, along with the sickness, and my body decided that I just had to get out of there. I thankfully had some money with me, so I ordered a cab and I just went home. In the cab on the way, I started vomiting out the window because of how much pain my stomach was in. I get home and I just collapse, but I'm unable to fall asleep because of how much pain that I'm in. And then I started thinking about all of the times that he had mentioned the desire to kill someone and to eat them. He always talked about how he would eat girls' thighs because he believes it would be the juiciest part. How he would only eat a girl and not a boy. Since that day, uh, I've kept my distance, but I've been fighting with myself internally, asking, did I get poisoned or did I just drink too much? Is he a psychopath or just a little bit weird? I truly don't know, so if you have any advice, then that would be much appreciated. As I've mentioned, I've been friends with him for years and developed a close relationship and I do love him as a friend. Just not enough to get eaten. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now... All you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. So I'm sharing this because I absolutely do not understand what's going on in my apartment at the moment. To give a little bit of info about myself, I'm the sort of person that likes everything in its place and I'm very organized. I moved into this apartment maybe five months ago now and it's not in a, a great area of my city. For example, just down the street there's a lot of drug dealing and muggings etc. But anyway, five months ago I moved into this apartment 
The neighbors are never there. There's just the owner, an old man of maybe about 70 years old, who lives in the apartment just above mine. And the first month was completely normal. Except for the atmosphere in the neighborhood, of course, which was really bad and quite worrying, but I digress. The following month, however, I noticed that things had moved in my house. At first, it was a book not put back in its place, or one of my clothes on my desk chair in my room. At first, I thought that it was me who had moved it, and that the move and classes I had, I must have shuffled it around or something. But the more the week went by, the stranger that it got, until a week ago when I went back to my room and my bed was unmade, which is absolutely impossible with me. I've been doing it every morning since I was 10. I've spoken to my landlord about it and he says that I'm probably in over my head so he doesn't want to help me. So I'm asking all of you if you guys have any clues or solutions to find out what's going on. I have a sneaking suspicion though that somebody has access to my place and is coming in when I'm not around. In 2017, I had heard news of people dressing up as clowns and running around with knives at night. I typically brush these sorts of things off though because, honestly, I have my own problems. I, a 20-year-old female, was often up all hours of the night dealing with my screaming newborn. It was January to February, I think, so we still had some snow and I wasn't able to get out of the house often taking out the trash which is located right out the back door was usually the most I got out of fresh air. But one morning I took out the trash and happened to glance over to the right and noticed footprints directly under my window to my baby's room. I walked over to inspect it and not only were there footprints but there were also hand indentations on the window screen. Weird but baby slept in my room so I wasn't too concerned at that moment but my boyfriend was losing his marbles over it. Anyway, fast forward a couple of days and I was up around three in the morning and heard not exactly what I would call screaming, but more of a, a screeching owl sort of sound. We have lots of stray cats though, so I just thought that that's what it was and ignored it. Once the sun was up, I looked out the window and noticed a few sets of footprints that really didn't make any sense because... It kind of looked like someone had just been passing in between the houses, but again, I just sort of blew it off because we had a drug house across the street and we have had people cross through our yard before to get to that house, so maybe it was just that. Now, maybe about four nights later, again at three in the morning, I'm breastfeeding and hear a dragging noise against the house and from where I was sitting on my couch, I could see the back door. The back door has a window with blinds on it and doesn't really seal well due to wood rot on the frame. But I paused the TV and listened, just to hear it again, now directly at the back door. Looking over, I can clearly see a, a looming figure now, just standing in the window. And I can also see that they're holding one of those big kitchen knives and granted the blinds were shut, so I'm seeing just the creepy shadow version of this, but... It was clear. He runs the knife across the window panes before softly knocking. 
Meanwhile, I'm trying to figure out what to do with a newborn latched on because my phone is in the bedroom and something in me doesn't want whoever is out there out of my vision. So I stand up and readjust because I really didn't want a screaming baby right then. And walk into the kitchen and flick on the light and then said just loud enough for him to hear me. Hey man, I already called the police and I'm sure you don't want to deal with them so why don't you just go home? I don't know why I talked to him so calm and normal like but I don't think that he was expecting anyone to say anything because he froze the moment that I began talking. He talked it over with himself for a minute and darted down toward the alleyway. I never did have anything like that happen again but my boyfriend sure was mad that I didn't wake him up to handle the situation or at least actually call the police. All I can put my calm demeanor down to is that I was just sleep deprived. But man, I sure was creeped out once I realized what had actually happened. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Rural Southeast Ohio, 1.5 hours southeast of Cleveland. Back in 2020, my wife and I got really into fishing after a small off-the-grid type vacation. We decided to keep the good vibes going when we returned home by making plans to fish the following week. We decided to head out where my parents live, where I grew up, because there was a huge lake that everybody fished at, but I also knew of a small lake just up the way that only a few people knew of. When we arrived at the large, well-known spot, it was absolutely packed. We tried to find a place to cast in, but after searching for about 20 minutes, I just packed up and we went to the hidden gem up the road. When we arrived, no one was there, and we gave each other a high five and started finding a place to set up. My wife went about a quarter mile away from me, but we could both still see each other and we began casting in. This pond is surrounded by about three miles of woods on each side and was nice and peaceful, or so I thought. About 15 minutes into it, my wife waves me over with a scared look on her face. Thinking that she probably hooked something that she couldn't pull in, I started jogging down to see her. When I arrived, she looked me in the eyes and said, there's a baby crying in the woods and somebody is yelling at it. I started to laugh and explain that we were the only ones here, but she insisted. We packed up our things after that as we both felt a little bit uncomfortable and we were going to just call it a day and get out of there. But some weird curiosity took over both of us and after loading the car up, we both walked into the woods to see if we could find anything. And about 20 feet in, we saw a baby shoe, then a few more feet, children's clothes, then a whole camp set up with wet children's clothes everywhere, soaking wet toys, socks, shoes, then piles of human waste and adult male, I hate to gender it, but clothing. 
We looked at each other and turned to leave when we heard some crazy movement coming from behind us. We turned around and we saw something. We still don't know what it was, but it was running through the woods to the right of us. We both just took off running as fast as we could. We jumped into the car and I drove straight to my parents' house. They only live four miles from this spot at most. I ran into the house and explained to my dad what had happened and he told me that I should call the state trooper, only sort of authority in that area, so I did. They just told me that they would check it out, but in the end, nothing ever really came of it. I have no idea if they believed me or not or if they actually even went out there, but I never really thought about this again until this past weekend. I visited my parents again for some holiday cookout. My grandparents now live on the same property after some health complications. And right when I was leaving at around 10pm, my grandpa looked me right in the eye and said, Drive safe, there are people in the woods. I asked him what he meant, but he does have dementia coming on, so I was worried that this had flared up. But he went on to say a, a few more sentences about how people are traveling with children through those woods. After that, honestly, I, I just can't stop thinking about it. Mid-2000s, I was in college out in eastern central Ohio, near Zanesville. There was a small bit of woods that hadn't been developed over behind campus, and within the woods was an older shelter house that had been locked up and had bars over the windows. Sometimes, you would swear that you could feel eyes watching you from that building. In addition, you'd find random ritual circles out in the woods themselves, usually near the old collapsed buildings. At one specific time, I remember being around campus during a, a break in the fall and I went to walk through the woods to go sit by a pond behind it. I sat around for longer than I'd planned to so it was approaching sunset when I started to walk back and by the time that I crossed the threshold of the trees, everything just felt wrong. It was eerily quiet and I immediately felt goosebumps all over. Everything in me was screaming panic, but to my knowledge, there was no major predators that close to campus. Regardless, though, I started to pick up my pace since that feeling only got worse, and after a minute or two, I was basically running. As soon as I broke out of the tree cover, all of those feelings stopped, and it felt perfectly normal. An important thing to note is that the distance that I had to go was maybe a thousand feet through the woods, and I could see all the way to the other side. I never walked out there at night by myself after that, but on a different occasion, I went driving south of campus late at night because I couldn't sleep and just decided to wander around. I had done this several times in the past, so I had a loose route that I took, except I decided to take a different turn this time and see where it went. I don't know what road I turned onto, but it eventually turned to dirt and gravel, admittedly not super surprising in rural Ohio, but then it just came to a stop at a fence with a little turnaround circle of dirt. I was extremely confused and didn't have a GPS, so I couldn't really look up where I ended up, but I could have swore that I saw a human-shaped movement in the fields or trees on the other side of the fence. At that, I quickly turned around and got away from there. 
and a day or so later, I had told a couple of friends about this and we tried to find that spot again, but we never could. I checked maps, digital and physical, but I either had no concept for where I was, which is entirely possible, I admit, or something very weird happened. Whatever the case, there is something strange about those woods and I, to this day, swear that I saw something human-shaped in there. Rural Ohio is weird and it can be creepy sometimes. This happened when I was about 14 or 15 and I often stayed over at my cousin and her husband's house. Their names are Skylar and Josh. So, I'd been staying at their house for a week straight prior to the incident with no issues. It was in the summertime, in a neighborhood that was pretty rapidly expanding. You know, those sort of monochrome suburban nightmare cul-de-sacs. There were tons of half-finished houses lining the far end of the neighborhood, and I feel that this information is pretty important to the story. Anyways... Josh and I are avid movie watchers and stayed up late most nights watching whatever looked good. That night, Skylar went to bed early and we stayed up to watch Would You Rather, then Ridiculous 6. Movie sucks by the way, but semi-important context is that Josh is a smoker and he goes out to the back patio for a cigarette every so often, especially at night when he takes their beagle, Banjo, out to pee. So, I end up sleeping through the movie on one of their two couches. This couch is backed against a wall and to the left of it is a window into the backyard. It's the only window in the living room. And at some point, I keep hearing Banjo whooping and hollering in the playroom. Then again in the kitchen, then the playroom and so on and so forth. The dog is going crazy in literally every room of the first floor but... He's a clingy dog that hated when Skylar and Josh shut him out of their room, so I figured that he was just whining. He's also a beagle, so we're used to him being pretty vocal. In hindsight, I, I probably should have wondered why he was running from room to room, though. But whatever. I try to sleep through it, and after a good while of Banjo flipping out in what I think is the kitchen, he kind of just goes quiet. But... He wakes me up again growling at the window right next to the couch that I'm sleeping on. He was just not being still. I still don't get up though. I fall back to sleep for a bit. Then out of nowhere, he jumps on the couch right on my stomach and again starts losing it, barking and howling. But that wasn't what woke me up though. It was the light shining from outside the window right in my face. I was scared at first, more confused than anything since my eyes haven't adjusted at this point. Then the flashlight shines up right onto the man's face and he looks identical to Josh. Could have been twins in fact. He's crouched down with his face almost against up on the glass and when I see him, I jump really hard. I don't remember if I screamed but the man starts laughing at me and I can hear it from the other side of the window. However, because I'm big stupid, I assume it's Josh on a, a smoke break just trying to spook me. I start walking upstairs and pass by the kitchen clock, and it's four in the morning. I didn't even put two and two together that Josh has no reason to be outside awake at this hour. I'm so groggy, but also unnerved at this point, so I just go to sleep on the upstairs hallway floor. 
I didn't go and alert Skylar of what had just happened, mostly because she's just really cranky when you wake her up and I was still more than willing to accept the idea that it was Josh being an idiot on a smoke break rather than some maniac scoping out the house. Anyway, the next afternoon I bring it up to them and they sort of write it off and ask me if I'm sure that I wasn't dreaming, etc. But they did say that they heard the dog going wild. I check outside where the window is to see if the man dropped any evidence of him being there and I kind of wanted to vomit because the tall grass along the house was now pressed down like someone had been on their knees there. I don't know how long the man was sitting there for the grass to have been pressed down like that, but still, I have a feeling that it must have been pretty long because Banjo sat by that window for a hot minute and the flashlight is the only thing that woke me up. I'm glad that I saw the grass though because it felt like such a fever dream that I just wasn't sure up until then. Sometimes I, I still wonder if it actually happened, but deep down I know that it did. My theory is that some squatter in those unfinished houses was either bored or on something and decided to go on an adventure. But the one thing that I cannot explain is why the guy looked so much like Josh. Like, isn't that weird? So I grew up in Appalachian, Pennsylvania, and I spent a lot of time in the woods just enjoying nature. My buddies and I had a, a night game too that we used to play where we'd dress in black and then send someone out with a 15 minute head start and then go and hunt them. Their goal was to hide and separate us from the group and capture people in the hunting party, at which point the captured person switched teams. It was sort of like a capture the flag, but with less rules I guess. We would always play on this private land so that we would be assured that we wouldn't run into anyone who wasn't supposed to be there. But anyway, one day we sent out our runner and then we the hunters went out to find them after the requisite amount of time. The game this time was being held in the wooded ravine with a flat creek bottom that was about three to four hundred meters away from a house that we were staying with the grassy field between the house and the gorge. The last we saw Dennis, our runner, went into the gorge. We crossed the field and had made it to the edge of the ravine and posted up on the rim. We stopped to listen because we were positioned quite well and you could see and hear pretty far. We sat there for maybe 10 minutes before we began to hear things. At first it sounded like a, I don't know, like a faraway noise of a, a woman vocalizing gently. Then a, a murmur began of what sounded like more women. I looked at my friends and we were obviously confused because we thought that maybe there was an illegal kegger party or something happening when all of a sudden the ravine exploded with the sound with those same women screaming. It was an inhuman type of noise and it was sort of in a chorus almost. It was not just one voice but dozens of wailing howls and my blood instantly ran cold. Nobody spoke. We all just took off and we ran. We booked it as hard as we could back to the house and across the field. We make it halfway through when Dennis erupts from an ambush to catch us because he thinks the game is still on. We all evade and just keep running past and he sees the fear and after standing there confused a minute, he follows behind. We made it to the house. We shut the windows, locked the doors and just... 
sat there scared. The next morning we hiked back out but we just never found anything. I, female and 52 at the time, was traveling by car to an out-of-town job assignment. I had stopped at a, a popular and busy gas station or travel stop to fill up the car, stretch my legs, use the restroom and grab a snack. I was approached by a developmentally disabled woman who appeared to be in her maybe mid-twenties. She was looking for a ride to a town a couple of towns over. Her ride had abandoned her while she was in the restroom apparently. She was a little upset. She didn't have a cell phone and she didn't know any phone numbers so I could call someone for her. I checked with the employees at the store and they said that she had been there for an hour looking for a ride because she said that her friends left her while she was in the restroom. I then made the decision to do something that honestly I've never done before. Offer a stranger a ride. I wasn't going to the town that she wanted to go to but I was heading in that direction and I told her that I could drop her off at the grocery store in the next town over where I would be turning off to go to my destination. The grocery store was always busy and it was very likely that she'd have an easier time getting a ride to where she wanted to go there. Also she'd be 5 miles away from where she wanted to go instead of 25 miles and she'd have an easier time walking that distance if she had to. This was agreeable to her and so we set off. Right away though, I noticed a van following us. I tried to lose the van but it kept pace. Meanwhile, the woman wanted to play with my phone. I told her no that it wasn't a toy, it was for work and I moved it out of her reach. The van speeds up and starts to get closer. The woman suddenly remembers her boyfriend's phone number and we need to call him. I can't use my phone while driving, this was pre-car sync voice activated operation, and I was approaching the outskirts of the business district of the next town, and no cell phone use while driving signs everywhere. I told her that we're almost at the grocery store, that we can call him from the parking lot when we get there. She becomes agitated and yells, no, you have to take me home. I told you that I can't do that. I'm not going there. It's in the opposite direction of where I need to go and I'm expected soon. Look, we'll call him from the parking lot, okay? She becomes even more upset and frustrated and the van is getting closer now too. I pull into the grocery store parking lot. It's about 4pm. The grocery store is busy. I pull up in front of the store and ask for the boyfriend's number. She suddenly can't remember his number. She won't get out of the car either. She's arguing with me and the van is pulling into the parking lot now. There's a sheriff's deputy parked nearby and I roll down my window and signal that I need to speak to him. He walks over and asks me what's going on. I tell him where I met the woman and now she won't get out of the car and under my breath I tell him that the van has been following us. The deputy tells the woman... Look, she brought you where you asked her to. It's time for you to leave her car now. She slowly gets out of the car and I ask once more for her boyfriend's number and she says, You're crazy. I don't have a boyfriend. Oh, look, there's my friends now. And she points to that same van. 
The deputy and I share a look and he says, Give me your contact info. I can delay them for about 20 minutes while I check their license and registration and lecture them about abandoning a special needs adult. You get out of here and I'll check on you before my shift is over. And don't pick up any more hitchhikers, okay? I left and went to my destination. He called me to make sure that I got to where I was going and told me that they were keeping an eye on the van and its owner. He told me that he also contacted a colleague at the sheriff's department in the county where I was working and that she would contact me in a day or two. While I was on assignment there, I spoke to two deputies and a detective about the woman in the van. No one ever really told me anything about them, but they were very interested in them for whatever reason. My nightmare though is that one day I'll turn on a true crime show and see a report about this woman and her gang robbing and killing people or something. I'm grateful that the deputy was there because without him, I really don't know what would have happened. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.